I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. Hey, everybody, we're back. It's Jay Pitts. I'm here with my intrepid co-host, Mr. Gabe Gabe Pruitt. So I think we've got something a little different for you today. Yeah, I think you're right, Jay. We've done done 10 episodes thus far. Today's our 11th episode, and and I think our listeners, if they're not familiar with you already, have learned a lot about about Jay Pitts and the Pitts team and Remax Premier Properties. But uh, I want to just... Take a second to fill in the gaps for for people. There's a few more things that are worth knowing. You know, something that we don't get to do often on the show, Jay, is talk about you and your opinions and your perspectives and your <laughs> and your uh, and your history. So I thought we would go ahead and give the listeners a treat today and talk about you for a change. Since touche, we, touche. Uh, no, but I do have some good questions for you today. I want today to be a little different. We're going to do an Ask Jay Anything kind of episode where uh, we've talked a lot about investing. We've talked a lot about teams. We've talked a lot about business building. Uh, but beyond that, you're just someone who's a young, successful business person who has uh, you know, endured the same kind of challenges a lot of people face in and out of real estate. So uh, especially for some of our listeners that aren't in the real estate world, I thought it'd be good to just sure. just get Jay's take on a couple of things. So. Well, let's, let's say before we get started, just, just so you guys know, and for those of you that know me out there, uh, I know a lot of our listeners do. Uh, I, I'm a bit of a control freak. Is that right? <laughs> and uh, I have no idea what Gabe literally. And this is not a joke. This is not just posturing for uh, for recording. No, I didn't give him any. any I have up. no clue what he's about to ask me. So it's it's pretty tame. Don't worry. This could get interesting. <laughs> this could get interesting. If if I know Gabe, he likes to. He likes to. I'm gonna like, put you on the spot a little bit. He likes but. to put me on the spot a little bit. So we'll we'll see how this goes. No, I'm I'm excited. Gabe and I talked about this idea, and uh, I'm just I'm just wondering at this point where it's gonna go. So here's my first question, Jay. Let's just dive right into it. Right now, uh, in our company, we're in a period of a little bit of growth. Right, we're we're bringing on new team members, new agents are joining us. Uh, you know, and as we're growing, a lot of applications come in for people that want to be part of our team. So. Uh, I've gotten a, an interesting behind the scenes look at this that I didn't have when I was applying to be part of your team many years ago. But let me ask you, what are you looking for in a potential hire as a business owner who is bringing on people? Wh- what's the most important thing when you're recruiting, when you're sifting through reviews and resumes? What are you looking for? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's funny that you ask this now yeah. versus, well, and, and again, anybody that knows me knows that. Uh, I'm not afraid to share my opinion. It's kind of what this podcast was born of. Sure. Um, the idea that I was never afraid to, I was never afraid to tell people what I thought. If you asked me a year ago, um, been a completely different answer. Okay. I will say right now it can be summed up in one word. Oh, good. Really simple. And it's the word grit. Hmm. Okay? Okay. So grit, what does that mean? Well, I mean, you can, look it up in the dictionary. To me, what grit means is, is you, you're just somebody that makes stuff happen. Like determination, determination, is the word determination is, is a very close 
sister word to grit for me. Yeah. Grit is more simple, though, to me than determination. This isn't like, by golly, I'm going to pick myself up by my bootstraps. It's not <laughs> yeah. that kind of that kind of determination. Okay. Grit is just like, doesn't matter what happens. This is a person that always seems to find themselves on the right side of it. It could be challenge. It could be setback. It, it could be humbly accepting success or defeat. Mind you, defeat is temporary. Yeah. Uh, unless you quit. So g- quitting is the opposite of grit. Grit don't quit. Okay. I like okay. that. Yeah. So, so grit is that, um, you know, I ask myself a few questions when I sit across from somebody and try and determine, because, you know, you're in an interview, when you're in an interview situation, everybody tries to say all the right things. Yep. The, the classic interview answers. Yeah. So you got to cut through. Yeah. Um, in terms of like your perception and, and reading a situation, because I mean, everybody puts their best foot forward, man. I mean, yeah, you, for sure. You don't, you, you're not going to hire anybody that you see like five minutes after they wake up. <laughs> like they're just not <laughs> at their best. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe Tony Robbins. Like he's, I was listening to his podcast this morning. He talks okay. about, he talks about how he like jumps out of bed and like has this like, Anyway, that's a whole other thing. Well, speaking grit. of Tony Robbins, uh, well, and speaking of grit, there's a book called Grit too, and you just made me think of this. But this is kind of this goes to my other question. I want to know when you read because I know you're a reader, and I know you definitely subscribe to the leaders are readers mindset. So I do. Who do who do you read? Who do you like to read their stuff when when you're looking for books specifically on personal development, business development, and that sort of thing. Like if you're a really big Tammy Hogue or like James Patterson fan, that's that's cool, but that's not what I'm looking for. Here. <laughs> no, no. I, I will tell you uh, on that note, um, Ben Mesrick was was an author that I really enjoyed for. Oh, he, a he's a of historian years. and Ben Mesrick. No, Ben Mesrick is well, yes. I mean, kind of. Like well, that's a, what he like focuses a, on. A yeah. pop culture historian, maybe. Yeah. Like he he wrote the Accidental Billionaires, which is the move the book that became the Facebook you know, the social network movie. Yeah. He wrote, uh, 21, the book that yeah. just bringing down the house was the name of the, the, right, name right. Of the book that became 21, the movie. I was always, and I'm not embarrassed to say I'm a little, I'm not, I'm not old. I know that's debatable inside this office at 35 years old. <laughs> that's folks, not, that's I, not old. That's 35 not old. years old is old in my office. According to a lot of these millennials. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm, I'm included there. We've determined this. Yeah. I, I own it. Um, but no, it, it's, um, as I've, as I've grown a bit older, I, I've become less and less interested, but at 10 years ago, I was all about like some fiction about, or historical fiction about young, like crush it kind of business people, mm-hmm. like people that like figured out a way to like push past like the the cultural norms that kept young people from being phenomenally successful and like nothing has made me happier than watching the way technology and innovation and social and connectedness give young people an opportunity to su- succeed and excel faster. In the world that's a, that's an interesting point because it's not just self-development books and business books no. and stuff like that it can go all the way into the fiction world. It's just the fiction fiction um we talked about it this morning in a, in a, in a meeting on, on Fridays, we always do a, a round table discussion in our office. And we talked about how your words matter, but your words are born out of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so to me, fiction can be as inspiring as nonfiction. 
you know, I'm, I'm a big fan and, and wh- whether it be, uh, you can't, you can't take these things literally, especially when they're fiction because they're meant to entertain, but the, the, sh- the series billionaires. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, or billions, excuse me, billions, billions yeah. on, sh- on Showtime, uh, about a hedge fund manager. Then they live in the gray and all that. There's a lot of like fraud and craziness, but like something about like this, this talent, right? This talent that like, exceeds like expectation this this sort of way that someone has to kind of transcend the normal and become very successful that's really inspiring to me even if it's fiction yeah so that's what the ben mesrick you know novels were about for me and and i read three or four of them you know there's there there's uh he's a good writer and that's why they make movies out of his books because he can paint a picture very well yeah as far as like nonfiction, like I'm very classic. I don't get into, and I think there's a lot of noise in the like self-help motivational space these days. Sure. I really struggle with the books that read like text, like textbooks. Yeah. Like the, you know, I, I don't want to put down anybody's books, but the, like the four things or the eight ways or the 12 habits and like all that stuff. Like, you know, I've heard, I've read this seven. I feel like most times, even when you read them, you're picking things out of them. You're picking a thing here and a thing there that you like. And it's never the whole book like that that changes someone's life. Well, and, and I like the seven habits of highly effective people is good is very good. And I don't mean to like group lump all these books in, but like basically it's like any other industry, like this worked. Okay. Let's, let's, we, we can do that. Let's, let's replicate, replicate, replicate until you kill it. Yeah. And that really, that really is a struggle for me to get through those. Like, oh, you got to read this. Well, yeah, but that's basically just Think and Grow Rich restated. I was going to say this too, because I know Think and Grow Rich. I knew you were going to go there. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and preempt you. Uh, Napoleon Hill. I feel like that's one type of like a, what's the word I'm looking for? The outline for that book is being copied a lot right now. Yeah, the absolutely. one person goes and interviews a ton of really successful people in a field and writes about his findings. I feel like I've seen a couple books like that just recently. Tools with Titans. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, there's, 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 there's a lot of that out there. Yes. Yeah. There's nothing. I mean, here's, you're so connected in today's, in any industry, but specifically, you know, content creation. It's really, really hard to find something that is unique, truly unique. Think and Grow Rich was seminal, like mm-hmm. first of its kind. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, seminal, first of its kind. There are lots of books like that. Stephen Covey's a, uh, an author that really kind of pioneered a lot of this stuff. I just look for um, less fluff. I look for less fluff. I I look for, I look for like game changers. Like I don't get into, I don't need to read like 78 copies of how to win friends and influence people, like <laughs> yeah. restated over and over again. Sure. I'll read the original. I'll take off on it. I'll make it my own. And like the other stuff, like the, the, the ones that are more carbon copy, I tend to do an audio form and I do it while I work out or run on the treadmill or do something like that. Yeah. But that's, that's kind of where my head is on. I am a, I am a, a, a leader reader. That's for sure. No, that's good. And it, and it's been good for me too, being on your team. Cause I've been recommended a ton of great books. We just share them around, man. There you go. I have a library. That's true. Well, one of the books I got shared out of your library was, uh, the miracle morning. You remember yeah, this book? I do. Uh, so, and I know you and I have gone back and forth often because my big challenge 
uh, is establishing a really good rock solid morning routine. So I'm pretty familiar with your morning routine, or at least what what was your morning routine before you had an infant. So I want I was going to ask you, what does the morning routine of Jay Pitts look like? Because it really is important. I know it's important. It's just really tough for me to put it into practice sometimes. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I'm happy to share. So yes, it's changed and it's always evolving. Okay. So you're right in assuming that a morning routine is extremely important. Mm -hmm. It sets the tone for your day. I, I know the folks on my team have heard my my soapbox speech on the snooze button, my assault, my all out, <laughs> my alarm offensive. when it goes off, my six fifteen alarm that I have, which I know that that's like midday for you compared to when you get up. But mine says you will regret it if you roll over. That's what that's my the, alarm says. That's the yeah. title. It so it's an iPhone alarm. Yeah. Okay, I got it. Yeah. I, I've I've you know I mean you come to technology different times. I just realized that like you can personalize the text oh, yeah. alarms like. I have some alarms that like yell at me. Oh, yeah. Lots of exclamation points and all caps and mm-hmm. emojis. You can put emojis in them. That's true. Yeah. Like it's it's really funny when you make yourself laugh on your <laughs> on your own alarm. No, seriously, my morning routine is this, and and it's ever evolving. So uh, I obviously have a almost three month old, as Gabe referenced, and it's obviously changed since then. So and it gets disrupted like everybody else. There's no there's I'm not a machine. Sure, it's, it's, I'm not perfect. But I, the alarm goes off and I use, I actually use a sleep monitoring app. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm happy to share. I wish I remembered. Is that. it on your watch or is it on, on your No, I, I charge my watch. I charge my Apple watch. It is sleep cycle. Okay. Sleep cycle is an app that you can find in the iTunes app store. I'm sure it's available on Android as well, but sleep cycle is your morning alarm. So I don't use an alarm clock. Okay. The phone sits next to the bed. And, um, it basically is designed to through sound like auditory, like basically how much you're moving, which I can tell a funny story about this morning actually. Um, and you start to recognize these things after you use it for a while. Okay. I've been using it about 60 days and it, instead of having a time that it goes off, it has a range. Oh, and so it knows when you're in the part of your sleep cycle where it's, you know, you're going to wake up with the most energy. It's not going to break you out of REM sleep. So, so it, it analyzes the sound basically how much are you moving? Mm -hmm. Okay. Because you point the like mic like towards you when you, it sounds funny, but it actually works. Um, and I had a a really interesting example this morning. I'll share. Okay. No, (laughs) it it reads your sounds to determine how much you're moving and makes a prediction on when you're going to be sleeping the lightest versus the deepest. And then the alarm sounds within that range when you're supposed to be in your lightest sleep. So 4.45 is when it's set, 4.45 a.m. So it can go off anywhere from essentially 4.30, um, 4.15 to 4.45. Okay. Basically, a.m. Um, which I would get really upset when I know a lot of went off at 4.15. So, <laughs> so, so that's exactly where I was going. So this morning, and, and I, I, I fell asleep a little early last night. Um, I don't know. Jen, Jen had the baby and... You know, I was doing something on the computer and I got a little tired. So I just went to sleep. Sure. It's probably, probably just shy of 10 PM. Okay. okay. Just to tell you. And 10, 1030 is about my normal bedtime. Cause I think your morning routine is predicated by your evening. I'm about routine. to say it totally depends on when you go to bed. So, so, so 1030 is about it. And you know, 1030 to roughly 430 at, you know, six hours sleep is about what I get. But anyway, so. <laughs> 
I, I, I feel myself, you know, you have this moment where you're like, eyes are still closed, but you're awake and you're, you're starting to wake up and you're like, no, it's happening. <laughs> it's, it's happening. Or at least that's how and, it is in my head. <laughs> and, and so, um, I lean my head up and I just, I mean, I bear, I don't move anything else. Like, I mean, just literally, I wish you guys could see this right now. I literally flexed my neck about 40 degrees Right. So that I could just get my eyes on the clock that's sitting across the room to see what time it was to figure, you know, doing the thing that everybody does, like how much longer do I have? Yeah. Yeah. And like the instant I do it, the alarm goes off. <laughs> and you. like I literally moved my head about four inches. Oh, that's funny. And I was like, man, this is a podcast. We can, we can, we can, we can be honest. I said, damn it. <laughs> like, you know, it got me. Like it was almost like the sniper was laying in wait just for me, to move, me to move. And it got me, it picked me off and I oh, reached over. Funny. And so my siege on the snooze button will not allow me to hit the snooze. Uh, because I refuse to start my day with a loss. There you go. Like I win. I think if you hit snooze, you you have signed your day away. That's the what I try to remind myself every morning. If I go ahead and lose right now, I'm zero for one. Yeah. I don't want to be zero for one. I want to start one and zero. Yeah. So if I get out of bed, so so you know I get up. Uh, it's a, it was the earlier size. It was four fifteen. So I'm up at four fifteen, and um, I go downstairs. I make a cup of coffee. Typically, I, I have been into meditation and you know, breathing exercises, things like that, writing gratitudes. I'm not really doing all that right now. I probably should. Um, but I usually, I usually, you know, get a cup of coffee. I, you know, spend about an hour first thing, um, between, you know, four thirty and five thirty, like a good solid hour, like working on things that are not reactionary like projects I've got going on. So like if we've got a, you know, a new lead gen plan or a follow-up system or a, you know, piece of technology we're implementing into our business. If we're hiring, I'm writing job descriptions, whatever we're doing right on that. If, if I'm working on recruiting for the brokerage, if I'm working on my real estate investments, I work on those things that are proactive, not reactive. Okay. And I work on that about an hour and then about 6 a.m., 630 depending. And I try not to be so regimented because like literally there have been times in my life where I've been booked to the minute. Oh, sure. Yeah. And it's just really boxes you in and you start feeling like a little hopeless about trying to achieve everything because you have literally no room for error. So after that, I get a workout in, you know, and now that I take my son to school every day, he's, he's five. So he's in junior kindergarten and, um, I take him, Oh, he, he I have to wake him up at 630 to get him ready and for us to get out the door by seven fifteen because he has to be at school by seven forty five. Okay. So literally from there, and this is a relatively new thing since school has started this year. And so I'm, you know, in the office by, you know, eight o'clock, seven forty five, eight o'clock. And from there I usually make my rounds. I you and this is something I probably never shared with you, Gabe, but you'll notice now. Oh, okay. I'll go on record with this. Every time I walk in my office, I make a round. I don't know if you notice this. Okay. I come in the front door. We have office suites on the first and second floor of this building. I first go to the first floor and I walk around the entire office and I say hi to everyone who's there. Sure. You know, um, it gives people an opportunity to chat with me about an issue they have. I try to keep it very brief, but I greet everyone in the entire building every time I come in the office. And that's something that, that as a leader, I feel like is incumbent upon me. And it was taught to me very, very early in my career by a leader that I have a lot of respect for. And so that was one thing that, that I do. And so I make my round, 
usually uh, spend five or 10 minutes with, you know, our property management staff, with Megan, our office manager, what's going on, what's, what's the stuff, talk to Zach. Um, and then I head upstairs, I talk to you and Marcy and, you know, we kind of get our day started and there's, yep. there's some, you know, uh, Marcy and, and Gabe are, are the, the, have been dubbed by me, the marketing brain trust, but you know, <laughs> there's always some sort of idea that's been born out of something I've. I feel usually. like we've normally got one or two things for you the moment you walk in the door each morning. You guys have something for me. I usually have <laughs> you something get peppered for with you. Questions and it's a, you, and you know, that's okay. And then, you know, I kind of go to the office. I get stuff done. We've usually got something planned for mid-morning, whether yep. it be a video shoot or podcast recording. Team meeting. Or team meeting or something like that. That works until about lunch. And then I spend a lot of time in the afternoons, you know, running – as my dad would say, running traps, you know, <laughs> checking on this, checking on that, yep. do this, do here, write, write this off or do that. But, but the morning routine is what really sets you up. And if you're not, if you're not getting a win before you start your day, the rest of the day drags, the rest, the rest of the day is a real struggle. Yeah. So I, ho- I totally hopefully agree. that was not too much. No, no, that that's great. And I think it's important too. You mentioned that a lot of that changes as your family dynamic changes and you have to adjust and, and be able to adapt, which brings me to my next question. I was going to ask you well, a lot of things that I hear agents talking about when they're getting in the business and, and especially people that are trying to go next level. One of the big challenges is always family balance, you know, your family work life balance. And I know for you, that's something that you've made very important and that you talk to us about, make sure that that's something that you keep on your radar. And I kind of know what yours looks like, but for our listeners, how do you manage the family and work balance and make sure that you're getting fulfillment on both sides? That's a great question. I, I honestly don't know that I'm the one who's most uniquely qualified to answer that question because it's something I, very, I struggle with. Well, sure. Um, but the reason you hear it from me is because I struggle. I It's I, a focus for it's, you. It's a focus point, and it's something I fail at and succeed at both daily. You know, there are things that I don't to this moment do well. I mean, you could – Honestly, off the record, if you wanted like a thousand percent transparency and you ask my wife, she's not she's not probably really proud of the fact that I am encumbered by work all hours of most days. Okay. Um when I'm there, sometimes I'm not there. And that's a struggle. But I you know, I, my advice I think that's the question you asked. Yeah, it is. Um and what I do to manage it is twofold. One, build systems. I'm a systems guy. Okay. Build systems and rules, hard, like objective barriers to the challenges that you want to eliminate. Mm-hmm. So, for example, and, and like I said, we're, we're, we're a work in progress. So, like, there have been times when my wife and I have decided that at this time, when the clock strikes 8 p.m., the phone goes away. Yep. And it's gone. And, you know, I mean, that, that'll that last a week or 10 days or two weeks or, you know, a month. And then somebody's got a really good reason that they need to be on their phone. And then all of a sudden it's shot and you got to. So you, you've got to really work on it over and over again. But, you know, hard and fast rules like no, no phones at the dinner table, no television on just because we're home, you know, no. Uh, I don't know, whatever else, no, not sitting on the couch on your laptop because you just feel like getting stuff done. Like yeah. that, that, that balance has to be worked at. No, I think that definitely makes sense. 
But I want to switch gears here for a second. I had another question. This is one I've always been curious about. I think you talked to me about it a little bit when I first started. But my question is, if you had never gotten into real estate, and I know that real estate for you was like a foregone conclusion almost. You were like born into the world of real estate. But um, what would you have done if you didn't do real estate? Have you ever thought about this? What what would your life path have been? Yeah, I really have. Can you even imagine you know, there was there was a time where I didn't think I was going to go into real estate for sure. I, I started as you know, I think you know, I went into the mortgage business, which you right. can call that real estate, I guess. But I, it, I, I bucket it in the real estate world. It's, yeah, it's it's in the industry, but it, it's more banking than anything. Yeah. And, uh, so I did that, and you know, I don't know if I hadn't gone into real estate. If, if I hadn't gone into real estate, I probably would have been something similar, like similar in that entrepreneurial self-starting commissioned commission-based yeah business owner type sales something some sort of, yeah some, some aspect of sales financial planning insurance yeah something like that you think you always knew you would work for yourself though yeah i did okay i always knew well and i, I didn't technically work for myself in the mortgage business but i was commissioned there was no guarantee there was no base uh, at least where I was, some of the places have a base, a base salary plus commission, but I was a hundred percent commission at the two companies I worked at before that was directly out of college. And for about three, you know, three, three and a half years before I got into real estate full okay. time. But yeah, I, I was taught at a very early age that the reliability and the stability of a job where someone else paid you for your time it wasn't there like it was it's it's a it goes against convention right like stability by most people is had with a with a paycheck job like a like let me clock in let me get my money yep. and let me go home and i was taught the exact opposite like relying relying upon yourself that's as stable as is it gets. more stable than waiting for someone else to value you mm-hmm and so that, it was like something I've a belief I've held since I was a tiny little guy, like so, like beat into my head over the years. Like rely upon yourself. I was a firstborn. I was a child of two firstborns. You know, both of them are leaders of their respective families, right? So I I just think that like early influence, and I really reflect upon this stuff. Like I think. Early influence to me was like, go do it by yourself. Get it done. Make it happen. Like, don't wait for somebody to give you anything. No, I mean, that makes sense to me. And I can see that in you, definitely. But, you know, you and I, interestingly enough, have a similar introductory story. I also was in commissioned sales. 100% commissioned sales is my first real job. You know, I had other jobs as I was coming out of high school and that sort of thing. But, you know, college age, first real job was full-time commissioned sales. And it was terrifying at first for me as a young guy. I mean, it was a it was a very hard uh, toss into the world of commission sales. So my question is, did you ever have a moment like I had a moment where I was like, man, this was a bad idea? Like you ever had that turning point where you had to decide either I'm going for this 100% or I made a huge mistake? Okay, so I had it multiple times. Okay. I'm sure you did too. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Um, you probably had it with this career. Um. I think everybody does in real estate. They come to the tipping point where it's like, am I doing this or, well, or is it time to, time to switch? Well, but even after you do it, it's like, should I have done this? Like, <laughs> should that, I still do should it? Should I still be doing this? Yeah. Um, no, Gabe, I will tell you exactly, uh, the first moment it happened. 
I got out of college and I I got my real estate license right away. I had some money saved up. I got my parents to float me an extra month's rent. Um, and I went to real estate course and I, and I did the, I did it in like three weeks. Yeah. And, um, so I, I took the test. I, I passed the test and I think the week I took the test, I came across like a job posting for a mortgage broker and I applied and it was for a company that did internet mortgage refis with the like lending tree.coms of the world. Okay. And so that was very in vogue at the time and rates were good and everybody was refining. And so, yeah, that was so, so basically this company's premise was they would hire young, aggressive go getters, yeah. go getter types that would get on the phones and sell refis, you know, mortgage refis. And so I got my real estate license and I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And then this, I got this job offer and they had $2,500 training pay. And there was like a two week, eight hour a day, five day a week training course that you had to pass before you could be a mortgage broker for them. Okay. Which in hindsight was like, they, I mean, there was barely much of anything. That okay. They you. <laughs> um, really I took the job because of the training pay because 2,500 bucks, even after you, deduct taxes was enough for me to pay a couple months rent and I had a little bit in savings. I didn't want to ask my parents for anything more. And I, I posited that going into the mortgage business was a little something different than what my family had done. And I could get gain a unique perspective. Well, it wasn't exactly what I expected. And I don't mean to run this company down. It just wasn't, I just didn't love what I was doing, but there was a moment after training where I was a hundred percent commission sales on the phone all day. Didn't, not prepared to do the job that I was doing and never failed at anything in my life. And I just got so frustrated. Mm. Like I remember leaving my desk and walking down the stairs and out the building onto the front porch of this office building and like calling my dad and just going, I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm. Like so frustrated, so annoyed. And I don't know. He calmed me down enough that I went back inside and I finished the day and I finished the week. And I mean, this was probably a month in and I I stayed there a little less than a year and I made some pretty good money for a kid that just got out of college. And, but that was the first moment I was like, what the heck am I doing? What am I, what am I getting into? What did I get myself into here? Like you just, you don't know. Now it's all clear to me why nobody wants to hire, hire you unless you have five years experience, because this is like, no, just no joke, man. Acronyms and language that I didn't understand. And I knew real estate, but I didn't know finance yeah. at the time. So that was the first one. Okay. The first time, the second time, and I'll be really quick about this, but the second time was when after I'd I'd switched companies and built up a substantial mortgage business. Okay. Okay. And you know I was making doing North, the same thing just somewhere else. Ever- not not mortgage refis. This was more referral business. Oh, that, okay. That's what that's the part I didn't like. This whole impersonal nature of like okay. banks compete, you win. Like cut your fees, cut your fees, cut your fees. You're a sure. You know you no value. Just like push the paper. Get, yeah. Like you know. Whatever. So I switched companies and I did a lot of business by referral and I built up, I think I did like close to $30 million in loan volume the last year I was there at, at this, at this new company. And, you know, I think that translates to like, you know, 250 mortgage loans. I mean, that was a pretty substantial production. And for a young person, again, I was doing very well making north of six figures and, um, I just wasn't happy. 
And so I walked in one day and was like, I quit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I mean, not, not like that. Like well, it was sure. just like, I, I tried to give notice, but financial services, that, that whole industry does not accept notice because you have access to people's information. And like, if you're gone, if you're one foot out the door, they want you to have both feet out the door. <laughs> like, okay. it's, it's not like, I mean, you, you, you're, you got to log into a computer system with a hundred thousand social sets of social security numbers. Like you're just, they don't want you. Like if you're not committed, you're gone. Yeah. So I knew they wouldn't accept notice. So I just went in and quit and six figures, mortgage, student loans, car payments, and now no more income. Cause I just wasn't happy. And it's just something to, if you listen to think and grow rich, the, the part where he talks about talking to Napoleon Hill, where he asked him to work for 20 years for free. And he says, he hears a voice inside his head. It's just go ahead and tell him. Yes. Yeah. Something the, about this seems like it's probably the, right. The craziest offer you've ever heard in your entire life. Just go ahead and tell him. Yes. Well, in my head, it just said, just go ahead and do it. Yeah. Just, just quit. You're, you're not happy. Just get out of there. And so I did and had no idea what I was doing next. Um, and that was December of 2007. A month or two prior to the worst, the start of the great, the start of the great recession, the worst time to be a real estate agent. Sure. <laughs> exactly. So I became a real estate agent almost by default. Um, and I shouldn't say that. Very quickly, it became clear to me that that's what I needed to be doing. It wasn't just by default. It, it was, wasn't by default. That's where I you had were meant the, to be. I had the license. I was already selling part time. I was already flipping houses and investing. I was always doing all these things, and I'd made some good money. Like that was what I was going to do to get me by for sure. Mm-hmm. But like the second I quit, like the film peeled back, and I could see clearly, and it was like this is what I need to be doing. Yeah, there you go. So, but there was still a moment about three months later. Or I, I was like, what the hell did I do? Wait a minute. Where's my check? Where's my money? <laughs> I got bills due. All my savings gone. Yeah. No, it, it, no it, it was, it was interesting. And, and we had rather immediate success. Um, but there was a moment. Oh yeah. It was like, what was I thinking? Isn't it funny sometimes to just look back and just kind of just try to put your current self in your, in your past self's shoes and just imagine if you knew the things you knew now, you know? Like it's the things I say to you all around here that I was trying to say to m- muster up the courage to say to myself back then. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the things that you know because you've seen. Like, come on, kid. You know, just pick pick your head up and take another step. Go ahead. Yeah. Like, that's it. Just go on. Because it's going to be fine. But, like, the sky was falling to me. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that, that, was, the mo- that was the moment where I, I've told the story. You've heard it. I sold six houses in my first six weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, in the business. Like, all buyer deals. And I was like, I'm running my legs off. I got to get some listings. Yeah. Well, listings is the last thing you wanted in February of 2008. Sit and sit. Because I, and then I went and took five five listings in February and March of 2008. And I didn't get a single showing on any of them. Mm. I had to cancel every single listing and give them back to the seller. Wow. Not a single showing. It could be pretty Gabe. disheartening if it's your not, first year in the business. Not a single showing, Gabe. Yeah. Like they're like, who are you? You you sold us all. You probably this started to doubt yourself too. It's like, do I have oh. some kind of curse on me? Yeah, that was the moment when I was looking at the sky and saying, Why? Why? <laughs> no, I and that's Something taught, told me in that moment to get into foreclosure liquidation, and you know, and that was a very timely decision. And it was a timely decision that, that like was not likely to have actually worked, but it did, and it here we are. Well, like I said, it's interesting sometimes to look back, uh, but we're just about out of time, so I got one more question for you. Instead of looking back, I want to look forward for a minute. We, I know. 
personally, and our listeners probably know enough about you now to know that right now, as successful as you are, this is not the peak, right? This is not the peak of where you would like to be. What do you think is next for for J Pitts? Not just you, but for the team and for the company and for the brand. And what's what's next? Where do you see yourself going in the next ten years? Ooh, ten years. What what would you like to see? I thought you were going to say five, but no, ten's cool. Okay, all right, yeah. Now here's here's what I would like to see. Well. Um, very happy to see recently Remax refresh their brand. Yeah. Fantastic. We're an affiliate and love to see the refresh. I mean, refresh is the idea yeah. in my head. Um, you know, I'm, I'm probably 20 years junior, the nearest to me in age Remax broker in town. And oh yeah. Definitely one of the youngest altogether. And our team as a collective is one of the youngest teams. Team is extremely young and still very accomplished. So, I mean, I know we've got a lot in front of us. Um, you know, going back to like the books thing, like I like, I really enjoy the idea of exponential growth. You mm-hmm. guys heard Dustin Oldfather talk a little bit about that, but exponential growth is really something for me. Now I, I'm understanding of the fact that our market and our business is cyclical, both annually and with market cycles. Um, I don't expect, you know, to 10 X our business before the next recession, but I can tell you this. Uh, it's helping more clients at a higher level of service, helping more agents change their lives through real estate as a career, helping more investors build a retirement that they wouldn't have had otherwise, build a tangible uh, portfolio of assets that they are not, that they can actually understand. Yep. Like not ship your money to Wall Street and trust someone and to handle trust, it for you. And trust someone somewhere that you will never lay your eyes on. Uh, to help you manage those assets that you work so hard for. Uh, Where does it go for me? I don't know. Explicitly, Gabe, um, more, bigger, better. Yeah. The same, the same great things we're doing now, but times 10. I mean, I could see us opening offices in other locations. I could see us venturing into other ancillary industries like, like one-offs, like, you know, I could see us, you know, having some sort of effect uh, on, on other industries like, title and insurance really and mortgage and yeah i mean i i don't know i'm not not writing anything on building development yeah well you got 10 years to do it so i got, well I got, I got 10 now. years in this example i hope i have longer than 10 years <laughs> yeah, to do yeah. it <laughs> no i mean there's 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 lots of things you know build my investment portfolio spend more time with my family uh empower more people to do more so that i don't have to do everything that is my success is contingent upon myself. Yeah. You know, I think, I think you take a step up the ladder and then you reach down and help somebody up one, one more rung themselves. Absolutely. Especially as you start to get towards the end of, of where you want to be doing this, you know, however many hours you're doing it a week, I don't even want to guess. I mean, do you think once you've built it that big, you're going to be able to just step away or what is, what is your retirement actually never, look like? I'll, I'll never quit. You'll have a finger on it. I'll never quit. I mean, like, you know, it's because it's not just a job. I mean, no, I know it's not just your job that you're planning to retire I, from. That's what I do. This is, do. this is what I do. This is what I do. And it's, um, it's a part of me. I, I do strive. I, I, I really want to be more present at home. Mm-hmm. I really want to be like the best father that there has ever been. No, I think that's an important you, goal, you know, and, and that's not, that's not a knock on great fathers out there. Sure. It's just like, I, that's what I want to strive for. Yeah. And, I want to be. I want to be the best husband. I want to be the best father. Uh, I want to be the best leader for people here, 
And I think all that's the same person, mm-hmm. right? And, and there's balance and leverage and all sorts of concepts that we've talked about a million times. But, um, yeah, I want to be all those things. No, I think that's great. And I think, I think that, uh, even I, someone who's pretty close to you has learned a lot today, uh, from the discussion that we've had. <laughs> well, so. it, you know, people don't ask you these questions, man. No, I think it's important though. And I think it's important for people to know that real success is born out of not wanting more money or wanting more success or wanting more deals, but for wanting a more abundant life. Oh, you know? dude, it's not about money. Yeah. Like money's, it's just a scorecard. Yeah. You know, I, I was an athlete. Uh, everything I'm competitive at everything I do and money's a scorecard. It's, it's like at some point, and I'm not saying that like, I don't have a yacht and I'm not <laughs> my flying. You wouldn't have a lot of places to put it here. I'm not, Yachts no, don't no. really find their way on the Ohio. No, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't fly private. I don't, I, you know, I don't even sit in first class when I fly, <laughs> I fly Southwest, man. Okay. But, but no, I, it, you know, I don't have a fancy car. I have a pickup truck. I, I'm not, I don't, I don't desire to live big, but abundant. Yeah. And that's a different story. Yeah. That's a totally different thing. Well, I think that's probably where we'll cut it today. But when we come back next time, we're going to have a really special guest with us who's going to talk about just that, talking about how growing your business is more than just growing your bottom line. It's more about getting the things you want out of your life. We're talking with Cliff Hayden when we come back. Uh, but until then, make sure you go over to www.resourcepodcast.net. Uh, you can find more information about us and about the show there. And of course, we always want to hear your feedback. So make sure if you haven't already, send us a message or write us a review on the iTunes store or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we would love to hear from you. And we're always looking for your constructive criticism, even constructive criticism. Absolutely. If, if you have something to add or, or if something you heard today really speaks to you and, and you think you have something that's important to contribute, we want to hear from you. So head over to the website. It's www.resourcepodcast.net. Uh, and we would love to hear from you. Get in touch with us. Thanks again, folks. We appreciate you listening in. Always reach out. We're happy to hear your feedback. Absolutely. Well, that's it for today. Resource, real talk about real estate. We'll be back. Thanks. Thanks.